father, grandfather. He's the elder of our church. And uh, above all of that, I get to call him my friend, Brother Greg Harrell. Turn the service over to you. Thank you, brother. Well, good morning. Thanks, JP. That was real nice. It's my it's my privilege to be able to serve with you as well. So, go ahead and open your Bibles to John, the Gospel of John. We'll stay in the Gospel of John for a while longer. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> my voice is a little bit shot here because praise and worship is so good this morning. Amen. Um. Anyway. This will be the second time that I get to deliver this message, praise God. And on the second service, I get to, um, well, I'm going to speak 20% more truth than the first service. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Two things that I want to emphasize before we get into um, the Word um, Next Sunday is Time Change Sunday. So what you need to do is you need to make sure that you um, set your clocks forward next Sunday or Saturday night before you go to bed. Or else by the time you get here next Sunday morning, shake will be done and you'll miss the good worship that we have. So you don't want to do that. The second thing that I do want to emphasize before we move into the Word this morning is over this past week, we we had uh, unexpected and sudden loss of one of the newer members of this church, a lady named Diane Lewis, on Wednesday evening, passed away suddenly. And um, we will have a celebration of life service for Diane here at church on Friday, March 7th, 2 p.m. I'm going to address a little bit more about Diane here towards the end of this message. Just I want to tie the message into the life that Diane was living and how how she was taken from us unexpectedly and suddenly. Um, so we'll circle back around to that. But be aware that we'll celebrate her life at 2 p.m. Friday, March 7th. So this morning, uh, as you're turning to the Gospel of, of John, chapter 15, we're going to talk, I don't have the easy part of chapter 15 of the Gospel of John. That is the vine part. That's cool. Love, love the vine. And what you can find with the vine message is you can find that I would say that there are, I'm going to guess, 99 sermons preached from the vine passage of chapter 15 to the one sermon that is preached from the passage that I'm going to address today. Today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this word hate. Oh, oh, hate. When we hear the word, it's a difficult word for us to even receive, hate. Matter of fact, I told the first service that several months ago, Marietta and I were at lunch with our grandbabies, and I said the word hate in regards to some circumstance. I, it wasn't in regards to a person. It didn't have anything to do with, with even the food that we were eating. I just said, oh, I hate it when that happens. 
And one of them, I can't remember which one of these little grandbabies said, Papa, you're not supposed to say that. That's a bad word, Papa. I said, okay. So anyway, we receive that word as a bad word, and, and, and it does have bad connotations to all of us. Um, last Sunday, Pastor Allen preached a very encouraging word. As a matter of fact, the word was entitled, Jesus is Encouraging. And the part of his message that, that I really took away is that we all can receive the Holy Spirit. We all can receive the Holy Spirit, and we need to receive the Holy Spirit as believers. And so his was an encouraging word, and so I have the, really the follow-up to his word, but it's not going to take the form that you think it might take. It's going to be a little bit different. So anyway, bear with me as we kind of work our way to that point where we can be encouraged by this passage that is really so difficult for us to hear and to, to deal with. I want to paint the picture of what's going on um, in John chapter 15. It's a continuation of what we call the upper room discourse. And all that, all that is is it's a fancy way of saying that it is how John captures the last words of Jesus as he spends some time with the disciples at, at the Last Supper and continuing on. And John records the words of Jesus as they leave the upper room and they go through the streets of Jerusalem and even into the garden where Jesus is going to wait to be arrested. These are the final hours of Jesus' life that we're talking about. And Jesus has given some very special instructions to his disciples. As a matter of fact, I will tell you that, brothers and sisters, I consider the passages that we're looking at here in in this part of the Gospel of John, if it's not the pinnacle of Scripture, it certainly is one of the top parts of Scripture. Things are going on. We are being told things. We are being taught things that we need to pay attention to. We're being allowed to be intimate with Jesus as he's preparing to be brutally killed. We get to hear him pray. And so these things are all important to us. And so we're going to start in John chapter 15, and we're going to read from John 15, verse 15, through the end of the chapter. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. Everybody say, turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus has called you a friend. Amen. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made it known to you. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they also will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. 
But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, and the helper is coming, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Pray with me, would you please? Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the words of Jesus, Lord. Help me illustrate those words for your people, Lord. Help me get out of your way, Lord. Every word that I speak, I give it over to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So, all right. We read these words. And if you're a Facebook user, what's going on here is that Jesus is telling you that he's not getting a lot of likes on his Facebook page from the world. And you're not going to get a lot of likes from the world on your Facebook page either for this, for this very reason. You know, we look at this passage, and, and what we have to realize is that that during the next few hours as Jesus talks about this hatred that's going to be, that's already been shown to hit, hit towards him and that will be shown towards the disciples and will also be poured out upon him in just the next few hours, we have to recognize that the world, I mean, if it were possible, the world is literally, through the act of the, the punishment and the crucifixion that, that Jesus will suffer, the violence and the hatred that is going to be imposed upon him is an illustration of what he's trying to tell the disciples here. If we truly could, could film what Jesus endures over the next few hours here, the movie would have to be rated X. There's no way. It would be rated X for violence. Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ could, wouldn't hold a candle to what, would, what Jesus actually undergoes in the next few hours. So Jesus, in this passage, he says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And I, I read that passage and I'm like, Jesus, why would the world hate you? And why would it hate me? Because of you. And you see, in just a few statements earlier, Jesus made a, a key statement to understanding what he's talking about here. Jesus said in, in chapter 14, which is just a continuation of, we're just continuing this discourse. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so the world that has not received the Holy Spirit and understood the truth that Jesus is, is telling us here through this statement, hears this statement and finds it exclusive. It's exclusionary. And we all of us, whether or not we have the Holy Spirit on board or not, 
are created to want to be in relationship. We want to be included. Think about how bad it feels, young people, if you have some friends and they go and do something and, and, and you're not included in that and you find out about it. You feel excluded. God has put into us a desire to relate, not only with him, but to relate one to the other. And so when Jesus speaks this statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life, those that don't have the Holy Spirit to understand that truth, they say, well, that's exclusionary. That leaves me out. That leaves me out. But we who are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we hear that statement, what we understand, and you need to understand this, what we understand is that God has made a way through Jesus for us to be included when there was no way for us to be included. It's the most inclusionary statement that we could ever hope to hear. I mean, me, me, a sinner, I'm going to be able to stand in the presence of a most holy God because God wanted me included and he made a way for me to be included through Jesus Christ. Isn't that cool? That's some good news, brothers and sisters. So most this, this statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the most inclusionary statement we would ever want to hear. Praise God. I am going to be included for eternity. Hallelujah. Let me lay this one out for you. Some, uh, some Christian churches have, and, and, and the form of this, what they call the good confession, it varies from, from denomination to denomination, a lot of denominational and very liturgical, that is, churches that do a lot of ceremonial stuff. Um, they have what they call the good confession or a form of the, the good confession. And so typically the good confession would take a, take a form somewhat like this. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so here in this, in, in, in this body, we can, we can acknowledge that. We can absolutely acknowledge, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Say that with me. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now see, when we say that and we accept it, what we don't understand is if we're not, if we don't have a spirit-filled understanding, and the word, world hears that statement, they begin to hear exclusion, exclusion. When we say, I believe in God, well, the atheists and the agnostics are pretty well excluded. When we say, I believe in the living God, what I'm saying is that no longer am I an idolater. I don't believe that dead ancestors are going to get me to heaven or that nature is going to somehow get me into heaven. When I say that I believe in the living God, I'm declaring that I believe in one God, one God, one God. And so I'm leaving a bunch of people behind. 
when I say that I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, Son, then what I'm saying is that I'm not a deist or a pantheist or that I'm going to deny the virgin birth of Christ. But when I say that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is the Christ, I'm making this declaration right here. I am saying I acknowledge that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one is coming to the Father except through Jesus. Amen. So, so we look at this and we celebrate what's going on, but the world hears this, and the world's reaction, because they feel excluded, is one of hatred. And we've all suffered this, you know, you've been excluded from one thing or the other, or, or because you have excluded somebody from one thing or the other, they hate you for it. They hate you for it. And what we're saying is that because of this truth is we walk it out and uh, I have to tell the truth unless we understand this truth, we are condemned. And those that don't understand it are condemned. And you need to hear me about that because it's important and it's key for the rest of this message. We're not talking about exclusion, brothers and sisters, not at all. But we're talking about truth. And we're talking about inclusion. But when the world hears this and they don't understand it, they're hating us. So I pondered this portion of the scriptures of the the entirety of of this passage that we're looking at today. And and I'm I'm praying to God, God, can you tell me how that this is all going to fit together and Here is a passage that is just acknowledging that there is persecution that's taking place. And so I said, God, okay, you want me to tell your people about the persecution that's taking place against Christians today? You want me to talk to them about the 50 to 70,000 Christians that are in labor camps in North Carolina or North Korea? For a brother that's been to North Korea, I don't know. Um, you want me to talk about the 2,100 Christians in Syria that died last year for the name of Christ? And the tens of thousands that are in prisons in Iraq right now? You want me to talk about a lady named Asia Bibi, who is an agricultural worker in, in Pakistan, who in 2009 fetched some, worker, uh, some water for her co-laborers in the fields, and as she brought the water back, they said, we can't drink that because you're a Christian and we're Muslim, and that vessel is now unclean. And all she did was respond and say, you believe in your religion and I believe Jesus is the Christ. I mean, I'm just bringing you some water. And then she went on to say, what has your prophet Muhammad ever done to save the world? And at that point, Asia was hauled off to jail, tried and convicted, 
and is awaiting execution and has been in jail since 2009. Because she asked the question about the prophet Muhammad. So what we need to do, and I will tell you that that's not what God wants me to talk about, but we do need to pray for these Christian brothers and sisters across the world that are living under, that are either being martyred or living under conditions of persecution. Need to be aware of that. So then I continued to cry out to God, and I said, okay, God. And this is where I really thought that God was going to take me with this message today. I said, okay, I know what you want. You want me to talk about the cultural war that's going on. I mean, things are changing in the United States. What the heck is going on, God? I mean, people are calling wrong things right and right things wrong, and people are calling me a hater because I'm saying the truth about things. Is that what you want me to talk about? And I'm crying out to God, and I've got to tell you that I thought that this was, the, this was the message that I was going to give you today, that I was going to prepare you for the coming persecution against Christians in the U.S., That's what I thought. And God told me, no. Nope. Here's what God told me. God told me to tell you very clearly that he's going to handle this war. He's going to handle the cultural war. Now, I'm not saying, brothers and sisters, that we give up, that we surrender, or that we lose track of any influence that we have over what's going on in this country and elsewhere in the world. I'm not saying that at all because we need to maintain that influence to the extent that we can. We need to stay engaged with the culture, no doubt about it. But here's what God is saying. God is executing his plan. He is conducting the war. And what God is going to do, because this is his heart, He's going to maximize the number of people that he is reconciled to through Jesus Christ. So, let me give you an analogy. In the first 300 years of Christianity, there were periods of of significant persecution against the Christians in, in Rome. You guys need to hear this. Listen. Let me tell you how bad it was. Christians would regularly, and these were periods of, 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 of persecution, not all the time, but there would be seasons of persecutions against Christians, in Rome in particular. Christians would regularly be skinned alive. They would be tied to stakes and lions and and other wild animals would be set out upon the the Christians, and they would die just for the name of Jesus. Now, let me tell you something. The people of Rome would watch these Christians as they were persecuted in these, these ways that we can't even envision today. And the people of Rome would see these atrocities committed And they would rise up against the government and say, hey, this is not right. As a matter of fact, it got so bad 
There were, there were times that Christians were dying in the Colosseum with such grace that people would get out of their chairs and they, they knew that these people had the truth. They would get up out of those seats in the Colosseum and step down there and die in the same way that the Christians did because they knew that these people, these Christians, had something going on. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. The Christians in Rome were not winning the cultural war. They didn't win the cultural war, but God was doing something. God was doing something. So what God gave me to tell you is this, and praise God, he is such a personal God. He's such a personal God. And so we're going to break this down, and and he is going to make this personal for each and every one of us that are here, and anybody that hears this message, really. We sang this song this morning, I Am a Friend of God. And I love the song. I mean, it it tickles me to think that God is mindful of me. I mean, that tickles me, you know. <laughs> and and I just love the thought that God thinks about me as a friend. But here's the here's the thing, brothers and sisters. God does not use that term lightly. When Jesus in the opening passage of this of this message, when Jesus calls us friends, he is appointing you with a special title. If you look in the scriptures, the, the, the phrase friend of God is a very special phrase. It only it only gets used a couple of times, as a matter of fact. The Bible says that Moses talked to God like a man talks to his friend. And several times in both the Old and the New Testament, God talks about Abraham, his friend. And so the implication, when we take on that title, when Jesus calls us here in this verse, when he says, I have called you friends, two things are going on. Two things. Number one, God is going to tell us what he's doing in his kingdom. He's revealing to his friends his kingdom plan, just like he did to Moses, just like he did to Abraham. Awesome. I want to be a friend of God. Number two, God is saying, and guess what? You're going to be part of this. i got a job for you to do, just like he did with Moses, just like he did with Abraham. When Jesus says, I, gotta, I, I have called you friends, he says, cutting you in, you're going to get persecuted. The world's going to hate you. But here's the cool thing. Here's the cool thing. It's in the last two verses of this passage. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness. Everybody say that with me. And you also will bear witness. Because you have been with me from the beginning. So let me wrap this up a little bit so that we can kind of put it in a nice package, understand it a little bit better. 
This is a wonderful thing that we're looking at here. Jesus is telling us, I'm going to call you friends. And then he leaves us with these two verses. And he says, hey, I'm going to send to you the Spirit who will testify with, of me. And you also will bear witness. Here it is. What Jesus is calling each and every one of us to do on a very personal level through this passage, when we get called friends, is that we are being called as individual evangelists. Every one of us are being called as an individual evangelist. I'm not talking about some stadium evangelism. I'm not even talking about door-to-door, but what Jesus is calling us to do is to tell people Tell tell our friends about what about the truth of Jesus and who He is. I told you that I'd tie this back in a little bit to to Diane Lewis. Diane died suddenly and unexpectedly. And praise God, I, I believe that she is in with the company of saints right now, and she is praising Jesus. I believe that. I believe that. But the point that I want to make here is this. Not a single one of us, not a single one of us, not me, not you, are promised any amount of time by God. And that we have to deal with. But that's not even the most important part. Because there's a more important part. And that is this. The people that we know, the individuals that we know that don't know the truth are also not guaranteed any time. And so here's my challenge to each and every one of us today as I speak this message, and that is this. I want all of us, and I'm going to pray into this here in just a second, but I want each of us to bow our heads. And as we bow our heads, I want to ask God to to bring to our hearts just one person that you might know that needs to hear the truth about Jesus. Just one. Just one. Just one. So why don't we bow before God and let me pray over that. Lord God, I just thank you for your word, Lord, and, and, and I thank you that as we bow before you this morning, Father, that you're bringing through the Holy Spirit that you're speaking to each and every one of your people, Lord, and that you're bringing to our remembrance a very specific name, somebody in our lives that needs to hear your truth, Lord. And I thank you that you're faithful to speak to your people, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So God will give us a person, a name, what I'm believing is that as we leave here today, that God 
through the Holy Spirit, is going to come alongside us and give us the opportunity to, to speak to that person that he's put on your heart this morning. That, that as you leave here today, that each one of you are going to leave from this place and you're going to be individual evangelists. Individual evangelists. One-on-one. You're not going to leave here and rush out and beat that person with the Word. The Holy Spirit is going to tell you exactly how to approach that person. You may not even say anything about Jesus. But you may come alongside that person and you may just show them that you're their friend. And that's the beginning of your ability to testify to that person. I don't know how it's going to work. But one thing I do know is that God didn't leave us alone. Jesus didn't leave us alone. He he sent the Holy Spirit, and then he partnered us up as witnesses with the Holy Spirit. And so you're charged, church, as you leave here today, is to heed that call. Become that individual evangelist that you're called to be. When Jesus called you a friend, he gave you a charge. The time, no time is promised to us. The time is now. Jesus could come back soon. And I think he probably will. Praise God. But whether he decides to tarry for a while, that's okay. But in the interim, we have a job to do. And I really feel like, as I preach to myself here, that I haven't been doing a very good job. I'm going to I want to change that. And I want y'all to change it as well. Who else does the world have? Only you. You guys are vessels of Jesus. It's awesome that God could take a hard word like this and literally bounded by the truth of the gospel. Isn't that awesome? God is so good. God is so good. Hard word bounded by the way for people to go into eternity and, and be with God. It's awesome. I'm going to pray over us as we leave and I also want to, I'm going to pray, um, but I also want to call the prayer ministry team forward, if you would come forward right now, because I also have another word, um, if the prayer ministry team could come forward. um, There is somebody that that, um, is here in, in this place this morning or maybe a number of somebody's 
that needs prayer. And I, I believe that we'll receive healing this morning for um, something that they have been dealing with that's been chronic in their lives. And I don't know whether it's chronic illness, maybe a, a problem, a, a chronic problem with a relationship. So no. But I do believe that God this morning, if you if you feel like you haven't had a, if, if you've been dealing with something for a long time and it's the same old thing, I think that God is going to heal you this morning. Same old relationship, God's going to heal that. So I just encourage whoever that's for to step forward, let these folks pray for you and receive the goodness and the healing that God has for you this morning. Let me pray. Uh, and you can come forward while I'm praying for you as a, all as evangelists. Well, Lord God, I thank you for your, your word. And I thank you, Lord God, for your truth. And I thank you, Father, that you made a way for each and every one of us. And even those that don't know your truth yet to to be with you, Lord God, and that, that that you are such a holy and good and just God that your desire is that that every one of your people be ushered into your presence through the way that you made for them, Lord, through Jesus. I thank you for Jesus, the, the way and the truth and the life. I thank you for this word, Lord God, and I, I thank you for each and every one of the people here this morning, Lord God, that as they leave this place and, and they're, they're carrying that, that name that you have deposited in their heart, Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, that you'll make an opportunity for them to, to speak to that person, Lord. And through that, through that act of obedience that you're going to begin to reveal yourself to, the, to those people, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Bless your people, Father. Bless your people. Encourage them, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that this word, we understand what it might be like to be excluded, Father, and and how other people might feel. But I thank you, Lord God, that you're sending your people out to be inclusionary, to gather. Hallelujah. We give you praise and honor. We look forward to the testimonies. It'll come back here, Lord God, as, as your evangelists return, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.